Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, you are looking fantastic. Hey, Eric, you are looking pretty darn good yourself. How <laughs> is life treating you these days? Oh, it's, it is good. It is, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I know you guys are going to be talking about some pretty good stuff today. Uh, and, and it's stuff that's been on my mind because, well, I think it's on everybody's mind. Gas prices are high. Groceries are high. I've got kids that I'm trying to, you know, make sure I can help out here and there. And I've got grandbabies. I want to make sure they've got the cereal that they like and all that. And we like to treat them. And uh, those treats, we don't want to necessarily get fewer of them, but we're looking at, you know, what the budget might be. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on everybody's mind these days. So what we're going to talk about, John and I, a little bit today is uh, inflation, uh, the practical of it, uh, really what it's all about, uh, other than the fact that, you know, you've gone out to the gas station and depending upon where you're at, you might find yourself at $5 a gallon. Uh, you know, here in Central Ohio, we're about 420 I think, is the last time I checked. And it's, uh, it's all... Uh, unnerving for many people. Uh, so John and I want to put a little bit of clarity around what's happening for people, uh, give a little perspective on inflation, uh, and um, also make sure that people understand that although this uh, current situation that we are talking about, the, the government likes to call it transitory, mm -hmm. um, inflation is part of an economic reality, uh, and it does need to be part of your plans going forward. So uh, today's episode, we're going to dig into that exciting topic uh, that is inflation. Uh, and John, anything you'd like to add before we get started into the meat of our conversation? Yeah, you know, um, Inflation is an interesting topic because at its core, it just means prices are going up, but our pay isn't necessarily following right away. If gas goes up a dollar tomorrow, doesn't mean that we're going to be earning a dollar more. So that's kind of where we get in our pickle. Prices go up, but our salaries, our wages don't necessarily follow immediately. Yeah, the, the good old wage inflation isn't right there along with the price inflation, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? We, we wouldn't have any problems then, would we? It would all be, uh, I'd say it would be a uh, barrel of monkeys, if that were the case. Yeah, we would just go right along with it, right? Yeah. Now, uh, we are putting this one on video today as well. But, uh, you know, if we were having this conversation, you know, the last time I got uh, philosophical about inflation, I did have bourbon. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that it, because it is something that can kind of bring one down. But, uh, you know, I think that the, the, the listener needs to understand, uh, first and foremost, um, you know, kind of what the root causes of inflation are. Uh, and, uh, what's happening now in light of, you know, good old Putin's, shall we say, excursion uh, over uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, so, John, uh, you know, yeah, I, I task you with being my economic expert in this team. So I'm going to throw that to you because I like to be the entertaining one and I get to let you be uh, the, the boring one. So talk about Perfect. inflation for a second. 
Part right, right in my wheelhouse, Greg. So you mentioned uh, silver lining a little bit, and let's just say one silver lining in all of this is that inflation is better than deflation. When prices start to fall below where they should be, that is actually a very, very bad scenario. Yeah, let Economically, me on, let me jump in on you that mm-hmm. because it, 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 that's something that we really do need the, the listener to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, this is the first time in most of our listeners' lifetime that inflation has been a fear. I mean, it was back in the right. 70s with, with Carter, stagflation, all that, uh, huge problems. But for most people, the bigger problem that we have had as an economy was the specter of deflation coming out of 08. Yes, for sure. Deflation, when prices fall like that, and really where our the engine that drives our economy is business investment. When deflation happens, business investment falls off a cliff. And so... You know, if I were to choose between deflation and inflation, we would select inflation every single time. So as painful as it is, silver lining, it it beats some of the alternatives. So I just with that uh, for the listener, you know, as as businesses are planning, if we were dealing with a deflationary situation, uh, the businesses know that they're going to get less for their goods and services in the future. Correct. So uh, why invest? So why invest? The employees are facing a situation where, where they're going to potentially get less wages because of the adjustment to that. Whereas inflation is when uh, the prices are reasonably expected to go up. And so the businesses can invest based upon that. Now, there are pockets of, of certain commodities that go down. You know, my $1,000 flat screen TV would have been $5,000 a few years ago. So those type of pockets out there. But as a economy, deflation versus inflation is, is incredibly important to understand. Uh, and John, I think if you would address kind of how the Fed actually targets uh, to have a certain amount of inflation in, in the system. Mm-hmm. So it's really money supply, right? So when they print more money and there's more money out there to be had, that means that people have more money to spend and they generally tend to do so. And so when people are buying up more and more stuff that they want, it creates little tiny shortages and then prices start to rise here and there and and it starts to go faster and faster. And then that's where what we see as inflation, the target that the Fed is looking to achieve is about 2%. So 2% inflation would be perfect. That's right where we want to be, all things being equal. Uh, that's that's what the Fed is looking to do. They want to put just a little bit of extra cash every year out there that we continue to go after and work for. And, and that's about right. Now, what happened was during COVID, right? Remember, we were afraid that, oh my gosh, investment's going to dry up. We're not going to have enough money. There's not enough credit for businesses to be able to continue to employ people and make goods and services. So the Fed started pumping 
more and more. And the government started spending. Remember all those spending bills that went in? That was in order to try to keep our economy on track because we didn't know what the heck was going to happen. Do you remember when COVID first came out, some of the conversations that we were having and, and some of the thoughts of what could be, what might be? So the government was like, hey, take it easy. Keep going. We're going to get through this. We're going to spend some money. We're going to have more money available. We're going to start pumping. And, um, you know, we're now living in a time where, you know, the, all that pumping is kind of catching up. Well, it's and very maybe- interesting. It's very interesting. If you look at um, what happened in the response to 08 uh, versus what happened in response to COVID, uh, you know, when the government started pumping out money in 08 and, and going into quantitative easing, you know, we were shocked at the amount of money that was put into the system then. Uh, and with that problem of potential deflation, in hindsight, we understand why that happened, because they were basically throwing money to fill that bucket back up. But what was curious is when we saw the response to COVID, the, the magnitude of the response and the time frame of that response blew away 08 how much money went in and how quickly it went in. So we're kind of in uncharted territory, aren't we? 100%. And 08 also destroyed a lot of working capital. COVID didn't destroy capital like 08 did. And so, you know, was the government right or wrong in their response? That's for other people to argue, and I'm sure they'll do it. But what we're seeing is the response by the government um, was they definitely were very cautious. And, you know, evidently, because of where we are with inflation, some would argue that they may have overshot the mark just a little bit. So when I go back to my Econ 100, Econ 400, those good old college years, so many years ago, um, you know, and some of the economic theory has changed since then, uh, but most of it has stayed the same, right? Uh, it's, it was a Milton Friedman, uh, inflation eat, everywhere and anywhere is a monetary phenomenon or something of that nature, right? Uh, Uncle Milty, you got it, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, can rem- I can remember some of this stuff. Uh, and when we have too much uh, cash chasing services, that's when we start getting this inflationary effect. And the, it's in, in my recollection of history, what we have to watch out for is when they lose, lose control of that beast, uh, when it's not the 2% that they're shooting, but we now start having a bleed into wage-based inflation, because now we've got this cycle that can continue to um, uh, kind of like it's the opposite of going down the toilet, right? It's that spiral uh, that becomes very difficult to stop without some of the efforts that they did like back in the Carter to Reagan transition. That That's exactly right. And that is probably the biggest fear of how do you stop, you know, a 200,000 ton train on the train tracks? You can't just, you know, put a couple of blocks in front of it and expect it to stop on a dime. It is going to be probably a a little bit of a more of a painful process. You know, if we look at some numbers, you mentioned uh, Putin, right? And this business we have going on in Ukraine. 
if we're at inflation of 7%, Putin may account for about, let's say, 2%. So even if Ukraine was to be resolved tomorrow, it's not going to stop. That doesn't really account for enough. The underlying problem still exists. And you're going to start to see some measures being taken to start to slow down this train. And that's going to come in the form of higher interest rates or interest rate setting. You know, where the day before St. Patrick's Day and, and by the end of the week, depending on, um, you know, when the listeners hear this, um, we may already have seen our first uh, federal funds rate increase. And that could be one of many. That in in the Fed's already signaled they're going to take the punch bowl away. Uh, they're going to stop the the uh, open market uh, interactions and the, their buying of bonds out there. Yeah, I think that the listeners need to kind of understand uh, with this. You know, there is the, the phrase that has gained traction, uh, which is transitory uh, inflation versus systemic inflation, those kind of things. And, you know, I think it's best understood as this transitory thought is, um, that there are certain things, uh, like the, the tightening of the supply chain, uh, in lumber, the tightening of supply chain, just the, the ripples throughout the whole economy that has disrupted the supply and demand balance, making a reduction in supply and that's what good old uncle milty right the, the supply and demand if the demand outstrips supply then prices are going to go up that's the the essential component of the capitalist system right and so so what what is the difficult thing for us to tease out because we're not sitting there with the fed uh with all of the data that they've got is how much of this stuff in terms of the uh, the prices that you are seeing increased at the pump, the prices in the in the in the grocery, all those things that you are feeling, which are very real inflationary effects for you. How much of that is because of this tightened supply chain, and how much of this is going to be uh, reduced as they get that thing worked out, versus how much of the increase of, of uh, prices is the result of all the money that was thrown into the system? You know, that's a really good question because we certainly have seen some supply chain issues, right? Look at uh, car manufacturers in Detroit not being able to get parts from uh, Canada or lumber prices. Remember lumber prices six months ago? The, the mills weren't operating in Canada where we got some of our lumber and that rippled through uh, Home Depot and Lowe's and some of those companies where they had to, we saw a big spike in lumber. So absolutely, it's some of it. But I would say the biggest part is money supply. And so that's the tool that they have in their toolbox to get this under control immediately. And I think that's where you're going to see the most immediate steps taken is with the Fed. The, the supply issue will work itself out but the Fed has one tool in the toolbox and plan on them using it. You know, how I like to explain this to my clients when we talk about inflation and uh, they're concerned about the money supply and all that. And, and, and you've mentioned M1 and M2 and, and you can go into the specifics on that. Uh, but what I like to, to describe it as is, you know, 
first of all, you know, people that are concerned about runaway inflation here in the United States. Uh, and there are lots of people out there that are making a lot of money selling on fear. And they point to times in history with hyperinflation. Uh, fundamentally, I believe, and uh, again, just one man's opinion, but somewhat educated about this, uh, is that the rules of the game have, have changed fundamentally from the times that we had hyperinflation and just significant inflationary events in a fiat economy that we've got. And, and John, you might explain what fiat means to people, but um, I, I like to think of it now is the Fed is looking at currency as a, an analog to current in the system that they know that they need to put more juice into the system to keep the system running to keep my lights on, but there may come a time when they have to reduce the current flow in the system, pull back on the juice. And as long as they can continue to manage that flow of current in the system, then the episodes that have historically happened, and by the way, those all happened essentially when there was an element of, uh, of needing to reckon back to the value of gold, which is not the situation anymore. So we are in this era now where the, all of the federal governments or federal banks um, have this greater flexibility to try to manage the flow of current to try to avoid uh, the spikes, long-term spikes in explosive inflation. You want to comment on that? Yeah. So um, you mentioned fiat money. Um, it in essence says that the value of money is determined by its ability to fulfill certain obligations. The US government, since we're coming up to tax day, the way the government puts value on US dollars is by requiring all taxpayers to pay their tax obligations in US dollars. That's how, that's in essence where, they, where it derives its value, right? If we could pay in cryptocurrency, Cryptocurrency might have more value, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to pay our taxes in US dollars. So that's where it creates its demand. And you mentioned the balancing act between having enough currency to operate and too much currency to create inflation. So one, one way of looking at it is if you wanted to encourage people to ride the subway in New York. You could, in essence, print off a hundred subway tokens, and then people would use those subway tokens to ride the subway. What happens if you printed 300 subway tokens, but there was only room for a hundred people? Then those subway tokens would be less valuable because you couldn't use them it would then start to cost you three subway tokens to ride one ride or people would, and maybe there'd be a lot of tokens floating out there, but not everybody could afford to get, get on the subway. It's a little bit of a labored uh, metaphor, but in essence, that's what's going on is that we printed too many subway tokens and we only have so many seats available. So what happens is you get a lot of people chasing after those fewer seats 
and uh, it it causes it to rise in price. Now we're gonna so, we're gonna talk in the next episode about you know the market and how market tools can be used to accommodate and to protect against uh, inflation and, and and that whole picture. But I I think that what people need to understand is as john was saying that money is going to look for a place to land uh, and the place that it gets the most value is where it is going to land uh, and so out of the 08 crisis and then again out of the covid crisis with all of the money that was being put into the systems predominantly that money landed in the u.s stock market that and in the U.S. real estate market. So once, you know, when you're looking at what happened in your 401k after COVID, that growth has been the result to a large extent of the money that the system was generating. And now as we look forward to the future with now, without having more money throwing in there, the explosive growth that we have seen throughout many of the investing areas wasn't coming from the organic growth of the companies themselves, but more or less the casino effect of money finding a place to go. So as we talk, you're exactly right. As we talk, totally agree. As we talk in the next episode about some of the places to be looking to put money in the future, one needs to be cognizant of that. Uh, of the casino has happened, uh, and the money has been thrown out by all the systems in a very as, as a, a blunt object almost, right? I mean, they just threw out as much as they could, as quick as they could, just throwing it out, and it's and it has found its way to various places. And we'll talk about that. Well, people had, yeah, people had so much excess savings that they're like, oh my gosh, I have all the savings. I can finally save for retirement. I can do this. And that all went into the stock market. So what people need to understand is a lot of that for the golfers out there acted as a mulligan for us, that we had the good fortune of being in the right place at the right time as insane amounts of money were being thrown in the system in the name of protecting the system because they told us to shut it down. So I'm not saying that was right or wrong. I'm just saying what has happened and future inflation. Yes, it's going to happen, right? If you look forward, there's going to be inflation. Is it going to be like we've, we've been experiencing so far? Not likely, but you need to be understanding that this is somewhat artificial inflation find the money that was printed finding places to park and they they will slow it down again it won't happen immediately and it could take some time but the the brakes are being tapped on right now you know greg can we you know you mentioned gold can we talk about that for just a minute sure because i i want to I get asked this question a lot on, well, if the market is a little bit overheated, if, if that's their view, if the market's overheated and we have inflation, shouldn't I be buying gold? That, that seems to be a lot of, of the response. And the short answer is, in my opinion, this is just John McConnell speaking, not necessarily. You know, 
the problem with some of these assets that we think are tied to inflation really aren't. It's such an old way of thinking and being heavily promoted as a hedge for inflation. But the question is, Greg, can you and I eat gold? I mean, I, I know it's been on fancy desserts and things, but you can't really eat it. You can't plant it, right? It won't grow crops. The only real value in gold is in jewelry, some industrial usage, and primarily the people that hedge funds can convince to buy it. Those are your three markets, jewelry, industrial, and the hedge funds that can convince people to buy it. So it's not the inflation hedge that a lot of people think. If you're looking for real inflation protection, you mentioned this before, you really should be looking at hard assets like your house, other floating or variable assets, equities might be part of that, and even some oil, gas, or energy generation. Those are more kind of your hard assets. Now, I think we should probably pause here and say, Greg, you and I are not offering investment advice, right? Everybody is different. You cannot take what we say and just run full speed at it, okay? This has really been more, this is really an attempt to have more of a conversation and education. We are not offering specific investment advice. If people have questions, they can certainly reach out, right? My website is johnknowsretirement.com. And, you know, Greg, you and I have worked together for many, many years. And, and so maybe you and I are in agreement on a lot of this, but again, want to just caution to make sure that this is not investment advice. Sure. Thanks for uh, putting that out there. You know, uh, as we wrap up this episode, uh, John's made some references to specific uh, areas of uh, investing world. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, get a little bit more into uh, that conversation in the next episode of the podcast, uh, as we talk about the reality of uh, how to plan for inflation and to growth. But I want to leave today's uh, conversation uh, first with uh, asking Eric if there's anything that the, the fly on the wall has uh, observed that he wants to get clarified. And then uh, secondly, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, where we are, the reality of what we're dealing with in this transitory event, uh, and then um, going forward. So, uh, Eric, do you have anything that uh, has uh, come to your mind uh, that you feel like we weren't completely clear about that that maybe uh, the average listener would be interested in finding a little bit more about? Clear as mud, gentlemen. Clear as mud. <laughs> so here's here's the thing: is that it's not that it's not clear; it's that there's just so much. There's so much to digest. The beauty of podcasting is that there is a rewind button. So I'm gonna actually, even though I was here live, I'm gonna need to rewind and, and listen to a few more things. Plus the fact that I'm waiting for that next podcast because you guys are going to go into a little bit more in depth and going to explain some other things about it. But there's so many moving parts, and I think that that's where people get lost. And I'm just going to echo what you've already said. If there are follow-up questions, if there are concerns, if there are some strategies that people want to discuss on what they can do about it, well, they certainly aren't going to call me. They need to be calling you guys. So let's give some contact information before we wrap this up. So as John said, his uh, contact information is uh, email at john at johnknowsretirement.com. Uh, myself, uh, Greg at dupontwealth.com. And I'll just wrap up today uh, by saying the intention uh, of our conversation today is to help people uh, wrap their heads around 
what is going on right now, separate out the reality from some of the hype that's out there around inflation. You know, you can't deny that it is happening and you can't deny that it's going to continue because it's, it is what they are shooting for and, and not in a nefarious way. As John explained, that is how we make sure that the economy continues to grow. The current spike that we're seeing here in the U.S. economy um, is at least from what the Fed is telling us. So we do have to put some credence into what they're saying. And by the way, they've got you know, metrics that that we as the consumers do not have access to, to try to track these things that they didn't have years ago. So there is reason to have faith in what they're doing, but there is a spike now that will resolve at some point in time. And if the genie doesn't get out of the bottle, uh, then they'll be able to continue to get back to a path where there is more moderation in the inflation rate and that it goes back to their stated goal of around 2% a year. So in our next conversation, we're going to be talking not so much about uh, the current uh, state of affairs with inflation, but rather long-term, how do you invest? How do you protect yourself for inflation at more of the 2 to 3% rate that the Fed is shooting for going forward? And what is the practical impact of that for your future? So with that, gentlemen, thanks for the conversation today. Thanks, Greg. John and Greg, again, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for letting me be a small part of it. And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.